Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Thank you for those who are listening live. If anyone wants to call in, and if I notice you, you can jump in maybe and ask a question. Since there's only two of us today, that number is 646-668-8928. But we are going to do something a little bit different today. This is another one of the Scott Fishbowl Life in the Fishbowl podcasts discussing drafts in the SFB 480. I'm your host, Todd Burrows, and I have the unique distinction of being both the host and the guest of this podcast. We're going to do something a little different, a little unusual. Um, I have John Bosch on. Um, You can find him on Twitter at EmpireFFL, which is a great name that you got. and um, and what we're going to do is I'm going to interview him on his, like I've done in three other episodes. We've had about 12 people uh, have their draft reviewed uh, with me interviewing them. But then we're going to turn it around, and John's going to interview me on my draft, kind of a different take on the whole thing, and that will be the episode. So welcome aboard, John. Thanks for joining the Run to Daylight podcast. Oh, Todd, thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate it. I, I've listened to the other episodes, and I'm enjoying it. I am uh, what you could probably call, I guess, an SFB 480 super fan, even though somehow I'm not listed as a fan. I, As I've told Scott, I, I, I think I'm, I'm listed wrong. I'm definitely not anything more than just a fan of this game. And I've enjoyed listening to your episodes on this. I think it's great what you're doing, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I, I am, I've really enjoyed it. I'm always looking for a niche something that can be mine and my podcast and something that maybe other people haven't done or a different take. So I, and I, I really love getting people who don't get the publicity to get a chance to do a podcast. And I know before I started doing mine, I'd see all these guys on these podcasts and I would talk to some of them and I'd say, well, you could have me on sometime. And I, you know, I got like static back. So and and I don't blame them. I don't think, you know, there's anything wrong with it. But <clears throat> one of my big influences in radio was Howard Stern. And I think, you know, I grew up when Howard was, you know, in New York in the 80s. I was in my 20s. And one of the things I've always admired about him was how he could make a star out of everyone. And he could do an episode on just a regular guy who had some quirks. So I, I'm really enjoying getting everyone in on uh, the SFB 480. 
Yeah, yeah, you definitely had a, a good group of people so far, and it's been fun to hear the reactions that everybody's had to this crazy, crazy football <laughs> league. <laughs> well, it is, and as we start looking into your draft, um, you know, we're going to immediately see why the NFL is the the hardest thing to win at, I think, as it relates to season long, just simply because of injuries. And, you know, whenever I do a fantasy draft, I'm always pushing to do it the last minute so that you get a lot of injuries out of the way. Um, For those who are going to follow along, uh, John's was in the badass men division in the Yo Keanu Reeves division. So I do a horrible Keanu Reeves, as you've just noticed. So I, I um, won't even attempt it. Yeah, uh, dude, no, uh, I can't <laughs> do it. I, I I can do some imitations, but I, I have to actually watch them before I do it. And you know, haven't watched a Keanu Reeves movie in quite a while. I saw that John Wick, which was you know some people said was good. I thought that was pretty bad. All right, so you are Fantasy Insanity. That's your podcast. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Fantasy Insanity before we get right into your draft and where people can find you on Twitter and anything else that you might like to talk about before we get into this. Sure. Uh, Like you said earlier, I am at EmpireFFL on Twitter. Uh, That, I appreciate your like of that name. That came from a league that I decided to start, which is what walked me down the path of eventually starting a podcast. I create really crazy fantasy football leagues. And a year ago at this time, I had no idea about this Twitter fantasy football world. I wasn't even on Twitter, but I created this league that I kind of wanted to get feedback on. So I jumped on the Twitter to ask people and I needed a name. So I went with the name of the football league, the fantasy football league, Empire Fantasy Football League. Uh, And then once I did that, I, I, you know, started talking with a whole bunch of people and really had some fun conversations about leagues, you know, different types of leagues, different rules, different things in fantasy football. You will not hear a lot of player evaluation on my podcast, but what you will hear is unique things in fantasy football. That's essentially what my podcast has become, whether it's just some really crazy league that like just makes me look at it and go, wow, that would be so much fun to play in like the SFB 480. Uh, Scott was actually my third guest on the podcast. So, you know, I got to have him on, and we had, a, you know, like an hour-long discussion about the SFB, which that's what my podcast is about, is shining a light on those kinds of things that are just interesting in the fantasy football world, but not necessarily, hey, who should you start this week? Gotcha. Well, and that's cool because there's pl- certainly plenty of shows like that out there. So let's get into your um, division, the Keanu Reeves division. Um, you had the first pick. I had the first pick. So uh, it'll be interesting to kind of compare our drafts and our teams. Matt Kelly, who is at Fantasy underscore Mansion, uh, was out of the third hole. I, I know that name. ML Cadlick from uh, Fantasy Football Diehards in the fifth. Uh, I don't know who Kyle Soapy is, or if that's even how you pronounce his name, but he is from ESPN in the seven hole. I know Bill Latin because we did some uh, some uh, mock drafts together. 
and Dynasty Zach is in the ninth hole. Ryan Lassard of Rotoviz in the tenth. Uh, and Claire Mullins, NFL female from 111. So, um, no, other than Matt Kelly, no one really jumps out at me, but some names that I am familiar with. And uh, we'll get right in with your first pick. And uh, hold on a second. I, uh, I, I got to look up your first pick. Hold on. I know my first pick. It, it was a bomb exploding, and that bomb that exploded oh, gotcha. was, was all over Le'Veon Bell. So, yeah, um, the the, the yeah. curse of the curse of the whole, um, and and I was off Le'Veon Bell. I I've barely drafted him. I went Todd Gurley at one one. I mean, you could certainly argue that Le'Veon Bell is a better point producer when he plays. Um, I don't think anyone was planning on another suspension being the problem, but he was coming off injury. But that, that you know, obviously that's got to hurt that you already your first pick is going to miss four games. Uh, we'll look deeper and see the rest of your – well, I'll just ask. Do you have D'Angelo Williams? Oh, I'll get to there for sure. Before I get to there, I, I, I should shout out just the other people's names. Uh, at least the, the fans, give them some. I'm looking forward to playing with Josh Grohl and Benjamin Cunningham. I don't know them, but they're fans, so good to them. There is one other fan that I do know very well now at this point, and that's Mark Hill. Uh, so if he's listening to this, then I'm coming at him more than anybody else. He's my rival in another league, and we've since jumped in several other leagues, so. As for the names, cool. I mean, there there are lots of good names in this division. But you asked the question, D'Angelo Williams. Yes, I do have him. Awesome. <laughs> I I awesome. took him. Uh, I I was I was nervous about Le'Veon Bell, um, but not because of injury. I was nervous because of the you know that what we heard back a few weeks ago of missing a test. But since we didn't hear anything since then, I figured you know at this point he's in the clear. I really went back and forth between Bell and Gurley. If I could do it again, I'd take Gurley right now. But well, you know once Bell comes even, back, I'm pretty yeah. <laughs> again, it's it's a, it's if if we all knew what the end would be, right? Yeah. We'd all be we'd all win. But um, you know, I just haven't been on Levy on Bell this year, and sometimes I'm like that. And I even get, I, you know, I've got two shares, I think, out of 60 in MFL 10s. And one of them was, er, like, like before I realized I didn't want them, you know, like my second MFL 10, I got him at, like, 1.6. And then I think I took him once, I think he fell to, like, 112. You know, somewhere where you wouldn't expect to see him. Maybe he wasn't quite that late. Um but it was followed by Benjamin Cunningham taking Cam Newton, uh, then Antonio Brown, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott. And so, it, it, you know, a lot of running backs early. The key to a lot of these drafts is the second round. You know, I, in my draft, there was a huge running back run in the second round, which all the more made me glad that I had taken Todd Gurley. And... Miller came off the board, Peterson, C.J. Anderson at 2-3. I got him at 2-12. Uh, McCoy at 2-6. Ingram at 2-8. Devonta at 2-9. So, um, 
But they left uh, one guy that I would have taken had he been there, and you took him at 212. You took not quite as fat Eddie Lacy at 212, <laughs> uh, followed by Des Bryant, who was also available there for me. I went for Drew Brees. You went with Des. What were your thoughts on going with a running back and a wide receiver there at the bend? Yeah, as this pick approached, I can actually remember. My draft has been over for a while now, but I can remember the feeling I had as this, as this pick approached. It was excitement, excitement, excitement. Oh, why did Matt Kelly just take that player? And then right after that, it was why did Benjamin Cunningham take that player? Uh, he, gotcha. But Matt Kelly took Allen Robinson. Yeah, Allen Robinson and Keenan Allen. I was staring those two players down. Uh, that was what I would have liked to have taken at the 2-3, but they both went right before me, so I had to scramble. Uh, I, I think Lacey can be productive this year. I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing a, uh, a slimmer Eddie Lacey. If he's productive, to get him at the end of the second round, it's awesome. And Des Bryant, if he comes back healthy, after my first three picks, I basically kind of said, well, I'm going for the uh, all-it's-going-to-be-better-this-year team. You know, last year was not good for any of these three. I'm hoping this year's better. Le'Veon Bell, like you said, you know, he is out for the first four weeks, but I still like him. When he comes back, this, this particular tournament, it's about getting into the playoffs and then having big scores in the playoffs. And I think Bell gives me a higher ceiling in playoff weeks if I can make it without him, uh, if I can get there. I think Bell gives me a higher ceiling than Todd Gurley will. So I'm still okay with taking Le'Veon Bell, actually. Okay. Well, you know, and, and, you know, I passed on Des Bryant, and we can get into why when we do my draft. Uh, but basically, um, I, it's hard to argue taking Des Bryant at the end of the second round when in every MFL 10, he's gone by eighth or ninth pick. All right, so we go yep. to pick 412 and 5-1, and we got Greg Olson and Jarvis Landry. Uh, a little – Curious, you know, again, the, the, the whole running back thing is very important. Um, but you went tight end wide receiver at the end of the fourth. What were your thoughts there? Yeah, I actually, uh, because of the, uh, the mocks that I did with Chubb Chubb McGrubb, thank you very much for him doing those, and TJ Hernandez, thank you to him for doing his. Uh, I take that uh, back. You already I, have two running backs, so. I, I get it exactly. more, but go ahead. Um, yep. You know, why yeah. why go with uh, – my bigger question for this then, since you did have any, and you wrote, I feel sick. Um, the the <laughs> thing, you know, Jarvis Landry over Golden Tate um, in a scoring system where, you know, Landry's whole point per, you know, PPR thing is less effective in this system uh, what was the thought on going Landry over Golden Tate? Yeah, well, first I'll say that I, I knew I was going to go tight end wide receiver here based on my first three picks because I, I knew I was going to gamble and try and hold off on quarterback. My quarterbacks didn't go really quickly in my particular draft, which allowed me to skip them at the 4-5 turn, which made me very nervous. But we'll get to that with my next set of picks. Well, with the 4-5, yep. so I did go Greg Olson. I like that there with Jarvis Landry over Golden Tate. I just don't like Golden Tate. I don't have him anywhere. I don't think I've ever drafted him on any roster. He's just not somebody that I, I – really, he's going to be consistent. I think he will be a consistent scorer. 
And I don't really like Jarvis Landry either, but at that point I needed another wide receiver. And you're right. It was basically the decision between those two, Golden Tate, Jarvis Landry. And it was more of a, which one do I think I like less? And I unfortunately have high hopes again for Tannehill this year. So I think the Miami offense might be more explosive than Detroit. I'm not sure. This, this, that might be a pick that I look back on and say, I should not have gone Jarvis Landry. Well, it, it's interesting because, you know, Tate, um, when Calvin Johnson was out, and even when he came back, was much more of a red zone threat than uh, Landry. So that was my, my thought when I saw that, that kind of grouping there. So um, that is the 4-5 at the end of the sixth round. You went with Jemias Winston and Kirk Cousins, so you did get two quarterbacks. Uh, Mariota and Dalton went right ahead of you and Bortles. Um, and af- right after you, Tony Romo and Dustin uh, Stafford were the next two quarterbacks. So um, talk about any disappointment on someone who didn't make it to you and why you like Winston, uh, Winston and Cousins. Yeah, I have absolutely zero disappointment with my quarterbacks. I, like I said, I, I targeted the five or the, uh, the six, seven turn for quarterbacks, and I had hopes that I could pull it off. I knew which level I was shooting at. I actually didn't think Jameis Winston was going to be there for me. I was kind of thinking it was going to end up being Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan. I like Jameis Winston and Kirk Cousins in this scoring format because you get points, a quarter of a point per carry, and both of those guys are going to get rushing attempts. They're going to get more than Tony Romo. They're, you know, they're, pro- they're going to get more than Matt Stafford. They're going to get more than Blake Bortles. I think, I think they both have a humongous upside in points in this particular league. So I was ecstatic to get them. I, I did like Mariota too. I would have liked to have gotten him. He does have that disadvantage of, you know, the bye week in the first week of the playoffs in this. Play to win, so you play to have a bye in that first week. So Mariota was on the board. I probably would have gone Mariota and Winston, which would have been very risky, two second-year quarterbacks. But uh, I'm very happy with what I got. Yep, no worries there. I Look, I think based, uh, based on who was there, you did very well. And, um, you know, I, I was – uh, on the Kirk Cousins doubters last year. Uh, Winston's just not my guy, if you will. He's my Golden Tate. Um, but at the same time, I recognize he certainly is set up for success. I, I think that they did to him last year a bit of what the Vikings did with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Just, you know, once he started early having some turnovers, they really dialed him back and made him more of a game manager type. And it'll be interesting to see if in year two, they're willing to let him sling it a little more. And that is in line with kind of the negative about him coming out that he threw too many interceptions. So that was their way of managing it. And it'll be interesting to see year two, what goes on with Jameis. So we go yeah, now. And the, to interceptions, the, the interceptions, uh, the interceptions did play a part in my picks as well. Cause there's no negative so points in FFE 480. Yeah, no, I so was talking I don't care more cousins about and, I know, yeah. Oh yeah, just I was in general. More talking yeah, about how they, you know, how they 
they didn't let him throw as much, which was their way yeah. of keeping him from throwing interceptions. But you're right. And, and again, I like the picks for this scoring system. So you come back in 8-12 and you got, I think, really, 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 I don't want to use the word lucky, but in my no, draft, was lucky. I, don't, <laughs> I don't think anyone was uh, around this good at running back. And we'll look, but uh, Frank Gore, um, who really is the only guy still there. Um, there's age concerns, but, I mean, to get him at the end of the eighth round and then uh, at 9-1 you took a second tight end, you took Tyler Eifert. Again, another guy who's got some early season question marks, but if there weren't early season question marks, there's no way you would get him at pick 9-1. So uh, very interesting choice there. Uh, taking him over Torrey Smith, Larry Fitzgerald, Amir Abdullah, um, and then some other good tight ends who went after that. At the end of the 10th round, uh, yeah, at the end of the 10th round, you came back with R.G. Nee and Kamar Aiken. What was your thoughts on uh, those picks? Yeah, well, leading up to the Gore pick, I, I was getting a little nervous because immediately before that, it went Matt Jones, Latavius Murray, TJ Yeldon, uh, Charles Sims, Danny Woodhead. So those were like it was running. It was a running back run, and the fact that nobody took Gore in a place where all he has to do is get handed the ball, you know, 16 times a game, which is going to be pretty easy for him, I think that he'll break that. That starts you out at four points. That's that's a good amount. And if he gets any yards and touchdowns, I think Frank Gore should easily fall into points in the <clears> scoring system. I don't think he's a good player necessarily anymore, uh, at least not from like a big-time fantasy perspective. But he's going to fall into points in this scoring system. Tyler Eifert, uh, I'm a Bengals fan. That was a, that was a bit of a homer pick to take him over Torrey Smith. Uh, those were the two that I was debating. So anytime you debate over two players and the player you don't take goes right after that, I'm never sure if I should feel good that I was thinking on the right lines or, or thinking, you know, ah, I should have I gone that player. But I went with the homer pick. RG3, he's a bit of a wild card there again. He's a running quarterback if they use him that way. So that can be very helpful if he ends up being the starter. I had hoped to take Josh McCown much later in the draft, but it didn't happen. Somebody took him two picks before my very last pick. So that hurt me there. Uh, and Kamar Aiken, I, I, I like him this year. I think he's gonna, I think he's got a good chance to be the number one in that offense. Uh, I mean, they got a bunch of guys that just, a bunch of guys. You know, Steve Smith, he's probably not going to put up number one numbers anymore. You know, Brashad Perriman, you have no idea if he's going to be on the field. So I think Kamar Aiken is going to be the most reliable target in Baltimore. I think they're going to be improved. Yeah. Um, okay. So. At this point, we're going to take a kind of a more of a look at the, your whole roster. I'll read it off. Sure. Uh, quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins, RG3. And, and you know, RG3 is risky, but you're right. If somehow he could find that gear that he seems to have lost and, he, you know, he can start running the ball consistently, he could be great in this system. And Jameis Winston. Yeah. Running backs, Levy and Bell, Gore, Lacey, Starks to go with Lacey, West, and Williams to go with Bell. So you're not going to have four or five starters each week at running back, 
but you're going to have three, and that's uh, that's pretty good. You've got a ton of wide receivers, Kamari, yeah. Des Bryant, uh, Chris Conley, uh, Pierre Garçon, Josh Gordon, Hayward Bay, Vincent Jackson, Jarvis Landry, Malcolm Mitchell, Quinton Patton, and Ruben Randall L. Um, tight end, Tyler Eifert and Greg Olson. So out of the guys that we didn't cover so far, who are you happiest about having on your roster? Uh, well, I'm really happy to have D'Angelo Williams. I don't know if you're, if you're looking at the draft recap, I believe my comment on it was something in regards to, I hope this is a completely wasted pick. <laughs> it's not. Exactly. So now I'm very happy that I took him, but I'd be really happy if he never saw the field this year. Cause that means Le'Veon Bell is not producing for me. Uh, I, I took Josh Gordon in what, uh, I think it was like the 18th round. So that's a really late pick to get him. And if, if he manages to be clean and be on the field, he was so productive in the past that if he could come out from that, from, from the 18th spot, I mean, people like Corey Coleman, but if Josh Gordon is on that field in Cleveland, he's the best receiver in Cleveland. So I, that's a chance. I have some, I definitely have some take a chance players. Um, as for like my last player, like Quentin Patton, he was, he was my I didn't get Josh McCown two picks ago, which is where I wanted him. So that was a bit of a disappointment. Um, but I, you know, and, if Josh and Gordon, only two if tight he ends. Up, I think I'm good. And yeah. only two tight ends. That's the other kind of thing that you know the two things that jump out at me uh, besides the obvious levy on Bell and how you stacked uh, running backs, which I think is a very viable strategy in this system. Um, your quarterbacks are a little threadbare. You know, it's, 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 it's a group that you really need to stay healthy. Not that anyone who doesn't have three run, uh, quarterbacks needs that, but you need them all, you know, you need them to play well. And then only going two tight ends, that is an interesting strategy. And what were your thoughts there? That'll be our last question before we do the switch. Yeah, bold move, Cotton, huh, on the tight ends. Um, like, I, I, if Eifert plays, if he's healthy all year, I love him. And I like Greg Olson a lot. I mean, he's he's a he's a solid performer that, um, you know, he should, he should be out there every week. And he's most likely the number one target in that offense. So he's my primary. And if I can play Eifert along with him, that's just, you know, that's gravy. So I, I will be very happy with that. Tight end is probably the place I will look on the waiver wire to drop Quentin Patton and pick up somebody. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. This waiver wire is not going to exactly be the most fruitful place in the world. And um, so that's why I was just curious to get your thoughts on two tight ends. But Overall, yeah. your draft, um, how would you rate it, and how do you feel about your draft? Um, I like my team. I mean, I, I, I think everybody comes out of here liking their team because with this particular scoring format, you can look at every single roster, and every roster has a chance to put up points to win. I mean, no matter, no matter what your roster makeup is, if you're loaded at running back, well, this is a great league because it, it favors running backs. If you've got gr- a great group of quarterbacks, well, you get to play two of them. Uh, if, you know, if you've got great tight ends, they get a nice premium in this league. So 
I like my roster. I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how the games actually go with this scoring system. I, I like my roster. I, I hope I do well. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yep. Um, so that is the end of kind of me interviewing you. And we're going to All switch right. over. So for those who want to follow my draft, I was in the ass kickers division. And then once you get into ass kickers, you have to go to Liam Neeson. And I'll give you a second to go and get there. And when you're ready, let me know. And just, uh, you know, you could start maybe by asking me what my overall strategy was. And then we'll, uh, and then you interview me after that. Yeah, sure thing. I'm there. And first of all, Hey, Thanks for thanks for inviting me on to do this. I, I appreciate that. You know, uh, you've given some commentary on your draft, but you haven't gotten to be in the you know the guest seat and have people firing questions at you. So I appreciate well, it you giving me the honor to, to do, it. do it that way. It was your idea to do it that way, and I thought that was a wonderful idea. Well, somebody has anyone to who ask knows me knows I love talking about myself. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no. So I, I appreciate you being open to it, and I, hopefully people will enjoy listening to it. Uh, well, we can start with, you know, if you want to run through some of the names in your division, every division out there has names of people that you're thinking, there's no way I can beat this person in fantasy football. But who in your division are you most afraid of? Not that you should be afraid of anybody, right? Well, I, you know, I, I'm not afraid of anyone. The guy <laughs> that I know the most, who I respect the most, is Kevin Cole of Rotoviz. I think he's one of the smartest guys in the hobby. I really didn't know anyone else, and now I don't think I want to know too many of them. Just simply <laughs> from a, just simply from a, we're still drafting perspective, and I've got. Are you got, serious? Yeah, if you look down. Oh my heavens! And I, and I am. I, I just scrolled down. That's terrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and, and a couple of them are fans who really took forever. The one guy, um, you know, three hours, 25 minutes, he lives in England, so there's just a oh, little yeah, bit well, of a disconnect there. So I, I'll throw yeah. him a pass. But And, again, I don't hold grudges, and it's not a big deal. But, it, you know, I did want to mention that's the only other thing I know about these guys is that there are a lot of slow drafters. Uh, I have become very friendly with uh, JoJo Mags, who has the number two pick. Yeah. He's a very good guy, and he didn't snipe me much early, but he sniped me twice at the end. All right. Well, we'll definitely make sure we hit on those end picks then for when JoJo sniped you. Yeah, I, I like JoJo. He's going to come on. He's going to come on my podcast in the future, and we're going to have a discussion about some different styles of leagues. So, but before. Uh, now we'll go ahead. We'll get into you know your draft. So, like you said, you did not fall into the Le'Veon Bell trap. You went with Todd Gurley. What is it about Todd Gurley that makes you want to go with him? Well, my thought is this: you know, there are certain truths that we be, that that have proven to be evident over time. One of them is running backs coming off an ACL. The second year is always better than the first, unless your name's Adrian Peterson. So I feel like there's room for Gurley to be even better than he was last year. 
And what he was was in 13 games, 230 carries. He's the number one guy there. His coach is a guy who has a long history of feeding his number one running back. Um, And he has breakaway speed on every play. Had 10 touchdowns as a rookie. I think he's a guy who's going to get 290 to 300 carries. I think 10 to 15 touchdowns is certainly uh, very possible. And it was enough for me to take him, you know, considering that, you know, the big negative when people talk about Gurley is his quarterback. But I don't know how good Goff is or isn't, but he can't be worse than the two guys who played QB last year. So the defense being a little worse, the O-line isn't great, but if he played that well last year, his second year coming off, uh, the, the injury and playing a full season, to me, he's a, a pretty safe running back who really has, I think, room to grow. Yeah, and then the, the rest of your first round, it pretty much went to script, and this it, it was very similar to pretty much all the drafts that are out there. When it came back to you around the turn, though, uh, you took C.J. Anderson. You had Doug Martin taken right before you. You had Ben Roethlisberger right before that, and you followed your C.J. Anderson pickup with Drew Brees. So uh, was well, there any hesitation there? Would you have preferred the other two that went right before you, or were you happy with what you got? I wanted Brees over Roethlisberger, but I wanted two more running backs there. Um, the two guys, you know, I thought, well, my, I really wanted a quarterback, but I wanted one of the four big ones. They were gone. Um, I I would have definitely taken Doug Martin, so I guess you could say that was another snipe. But I don't call it a snipe when someone does what they should do. Um, Exactly. You know, and it's kind of expected. A snipe is like some sleeper. Um, So I I, I really felt like C.J. Anderson, I didn't love the pick, to be honest. But I I feel like, you know, he's – they're going to, another team that looks like they're going to run the ball a lot more this year. So uh, while he, 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 I would have felt a lot better had he been my, you know, if my picks were Doug Martin and C.J. Anderson, I was very cognizant of wanting to be running back QB heavy through the first seven, eight rounds. My whole strategy was to avoid wide receivers early, and that's why I passed on Des Bryant. I mean, Des Bryant was the best player on the board when it came to me. And I chose to go strategy over best player available in that spot. Yeah, I, I think I like LaShawn McCoy better than C.J. Anderson, but they're both in probably pretty similar situations where... Well, McCoy they, they're, is they're, more injury... Some... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he he definitely has that risk, but I think I think, I think just lining is, up in the backfield, everybody has that risk at this point. Yeah, but Anderson's younger. Uh, McCoy is an older running back who, you know, I was big on McCoy last year in the off season, and I, I just think as you get older, those shifty guys tend to fall off the cliff faster than the bruisers. Uh, you know, the, than the straight-ahead runners because a guy like him depends so much on his shiftiness, hence the name Shady. But it was a close decision. Yeah. Um, I just have more of a comfort level that in, in a Gary Kubiak offense, they went out and got a fullback. They improved the offensive line a lot, and C.J. Anderson played so well in the end. 
it was a it was a close decision, but I still feel comfortable with CJ. And then um, as far as Drew Brees goes, my my big fear was being at the end. I didn't want to end up with some quarterbacks that I didn't like. My my strategy was to go heavy quarterback and running back, and 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 cobble together wide receiver. Yeah, and uh, that that starts the show is even on your next round you. Still, I mean, you did finally take a wide receiver with your second pick. Or no, 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 I'm sorry. With your next one, no, you I still didn't. passed up wide receiver. Yeah, you passed wide receiver the first five rounds. So you took Tyrod Taylor with your first pick of the fifth round. But that fourth round pick now, I'm really wondering what you think about it. You took Jay Ajayi. Obviously, this was before the Arian Foster's news. Arian Foster's. Arian Foster news. <laughs> I'll speak one day. Uh, before that, but... Uh, you know, what was your feeling when you took that, and what is your feeling now after he has signed there? Well, a couple things. First off, I didn't have much Jay Ajayi in, MFL, in 60 MFL 10s before this. Some smart people had been on Ajayi for this, and my plan was to take Arian Foster late just in case because I always thought that he would end up there. And I was getting ready to take him about six to eight picks when he signed. So I almost took him the the round before, and I thought I could get him the next time around. That definitely was my plan. I still think push comes to shove. Arian Foster is a huge risk, and there's no guarantee. Oh, yeah. I I still think if Jay Ajayi plays well, he can get 200 rushes. And maybe not pay off a four twelve, but be be good enough. And if Foster ends up going out, you know, I, I think the bigger question isn't Arian Foster. I think the bigger question is can Jay Jai um, play all three downs and and can they trust him to do it? Yeah, I'm I'm curious in your draft. So since yours was still going on when that signing occurred, mine was well past over at that point. But was Jay Ajayi their next pick? after that news broke, or, uh, or did, no, no, did it no, take a little no. bit? No, Arian, Fo- Arian Foster went. Or, yeah, I'm sorry, Arian Foster. Yeah. I had, there were eight picks before I picked again where I was going to take Arian Foster even before the signing, even yeah. before the news broke that he might sign there. Just simply be, when I took Jay Ajayi, it was with the intention of getting Arian Foster just in case because I thought that was the most likely place for foster to land um i just had some bad luck and you know the news broke and he went like two picks after the news broke so it it did turn around that fast and that is an advantage to having a slow draft somebody's going to end up getting you know i kind of wondered if ryan fitzpatrick would have signed during these drafts when they were going on how quickly would he get snapped up if he wasn't already taken but all right we'll move on we'll move on to your uh more of your roster as we're scooting down. Well, it goes it, so back to how you, pissed off I was that they uh, took so slow. I, you know, if the draft had moved faster, I would have <laughs> probably had him. But then again, I had a chance would've. to take him the round before and I didn't. So ultimately, it's on me. Yep. So uh, you did finally go wide receiver with your next pick. So your top wide receiver on your SFB roster is Doug Baldwin. Um, that's, I mean, if he puts up last year's number, he's a great wide receiver to have your number one. But are you a little nervous going into the season, knowing that 
you are really taking some chances at wide receiver here. No, because that was part of my strategy. When I looked at the scoring system, the average, you know, let's say the, 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 that guy that you would take to be, you know, right in an MFL 10, the running backs that you would take right around when Doug Baldwin would go, will score two to three points more in this system than Doug Baldwin will. Um, my plan was, you know, you can start two quarterbacks. I can get an extra five, to, five points out of a second quarterback if I have a good one over someone's flex wide receiver, a weak second quarterback, whatever it is. And, you know, wide receivers score less than just about everyone in this system so I wasn't even planning on going wide receiver here. The only reason I did is because I really like Doug Baldwin. I think there's going to be some regression in the touchdowns. But people forget he's, he, he caught 47 passes in the second half of the year. And typically when a quarterback and a wide receiver kind of get on that same wavelength together, my, my experience is it just doesn't go away the next year. He might not get as many touchdowns, but if he's a 90 to 95 catch wide receiver and he tends to be for bigger gains, 14, 15 yards a gain, um, you know, I'll take seven or eight touchdowns out of him. So that's why I was, it was one of my favorite picks of the whole draft. Yeah. And you, you definitely went with some high upside receivers to balance it out. So, We'll kind of do what, uh, what we did with mine now. We'll kind of go a little bit faster. Well, I, I, I would like Marcus to mention Mariota. Duke Johnson there. Oh, Duke yeah, Johnson I took at 7-1. I think he, he, you know, with Crowell having problems, there's a chance even though he's more of a pass-catching back, he could get 150 to 200 runs. Yeah, plus it, it looks like uh, much later on in your draft you took you – took, uh, another running back who just might be the one in Cleveland if something if Crowell doesn't come back and then if something happens to Duke Johnson, you got Terrell Watson down there. I did, didn't I? Yep. So I, I, I very much like that pick. Now let's let's hit up this wide receiver core that you eventually did build after you took all those picks. Uh, you did also get Mariota, so you got a nice third quarterback, very strong quarterbacks. Uh, as for the wide receivers, adding adding to Doug Baldwin, you put. Uh, you went Sterling Shepard, Laquan Treadwell, and uh, that was – looks like that's it towards the beginning of your draft. So you're starting out with – oh, and Torrey Smith as well, which we've already kind of discussed. But uh, you're going going kind of young there with Laquan Treadwell and Sterling Shepard. What do you expect out of rookies? Well, typically I don't take those guys. But <laughs> my strategy was um, – First of all, there are two separate reasons I took him. Shepard I took because he's going to be the starting, you know, looks like he's going to be the number two wide receiver. I like the player on what I think is going to be a high-scoring offense. And if I feel like if I'm starting three or four running backs each week and two quarterbacks, I just need wide receivers who are going to get me that five for 50 every week. I don't need, you know, and if they get a touchdown, great. But I just thought that Shepard was a guy who's going to put up numbers every week in that offense. You know, you're going to get 10 to 15 points almost every week. Um, 
And Treadwell was completely not on my radar, but I got him somewhere in like the end of the 12th, beginning of the 13th. And he was just so far ahead of anyone else on my board at wide receiver at that point that that's why I took him. It was definitely not, in either case, a strategy of getting a young wide receiver. Yeah, the wide receiver pool was definitely getting shallow at that point, that's for sure. It looks like you haven't wrapped up your draft, but the other players that you've got for now are uh, Wendell Smallwood, Jordan Cameron, Clive Walford. So there's a couple of tight ends with some possibly high upsides. Uh, Robert Woods, um, who else you got there? Uh, Jermaine Curse, Anquan Bolden, who – is Anquan Bolden signed on a team yet? No. No, but he – But I got him in like the 19th or 20th round. And Curse, I, yeah. I got really late, but he, he does two things. You know, he is, you know, a good value in the 19th or 20th round, whenever it was I got him. But in case Baldwin gets hurt, he's the natural replacement for Baldwin. So um, I, I know everyone's on Tyler Lockett, but he's small. Curse is the third wide receiver there, probably at the end of the year in fantasy points. But he, I, th- I just thought he was a solid player and some, and gave me the dual uh, Baldwin insurance. Yeah, perfect. So, so what do you, what do you think of your roster overall? You still have one pick left, but obviously it's the very last pick in the draft. Not necessarily. Yeah, I'm thinking, where you're of, find I'm thinking huge of taking value. Calvin Johnson with the last pick. I probably shouldn't say that, and the chances of him coming back are are infinitesimal, which. But you know what, boy, if you get Calvin Johnson at the 22nd pick and he does come back, I mean, if he doesn't, you just waver him out. Um, but yep. I, 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 I'm going to try. I think I'm, I'm between him and a couple wide receivers. Um, what I like about – I'll tell you what I like and what I don't like about my roster. I love my quarterbacks. Every week I'm going to be playing two really good quarterbacks. Um, I worry a little bit about my – I wanted stronger running backs than I even have, uh, but Anderson, Gurley, Ajayi, Duke Johnson, Smallwood, I think out of all the rookies, has the best path to being a player. Spencer Ware and Terrell Watson, uh, you know, they're, they're prayers. Um, I really like uh, some of my late picks. I like Robert Woods. Ooh. I think he, Robert Woods. No, I, I I didn't notice that you had Spencer where I over I overlooked that. I don't think he is so much of a prayer. I actually I really like Spencer Ware, and I think if uh, Jamal Charles gets hurt, I think Spencer Ware is actually the replacement, not Charkandrick West. I, I do too, and I think that if they try and keep Charles fresh, but it'll be hard to start him with Charles there. Um, I I I really like my tight ends also. Um, Clive Walford's a guy I think has a lot of upside. Cameron, I think, could, re- you know, he's, he's, a, he's a risk, but where you draft him, I mean, he could also go off. And I love Dwayne Allen with Kobe Fleener gone. So all, overall, I felt like I was with a lot of good drafters and a lot of the guys I really would have liked to have taken were already gone. But I do think that I have a chance based on having three really good quarterbacks. And I think I'll be fine at wide receiver. I think it, it, it might be difficult each week to pick the three. But um, Baldwin, Tor, I, you know, if Torrey Smith does what, what Torrey Smith can do in a Chip Kelly offense, 
having Baldwin and Torrey Smith and then picking a third wide receiver, that's that's pretty sweet each week, for, considering well, I didn't go wide receiver heavy. Yeah, let's pay off the tease that uh, that you put out there before. Who were the snipes that you that you just missed on? Um, I wanted Ellington, Bruce Ellington of, uh, let's see, JoJo, where did he get me? Looks like it was right So he got round. me with, uh, at the end of the 18th round was one, he got Bruce Ellington. And I ended up taking Curse and Bolden. And Bolden. I would have taken Bruce Ellington over Bolden there. Uh, I think Bruce yeah. Ellington is, you know, again, then I would have had two guys in that San Francisco back, you know, wide receiver core. And he, he really sniped me in the 16th. I wanted Devontae Booker and ended up with Spencer mm-hmm. Ware instead. Because, you know, Booker's C.J. Anderson insurance. Um, so yep. those were the two guys that he kind of really got me with. Yeah, this time what he, I did with mine, where I did back up my running backs, I actually like – I don't like taking handcuffs. I'd rather take a handcuff of another guy and make it so that I have the maximum potential. But – it's the way my draft worked out, I ended up just handcuffing mine because the value was there, unfortunately. Yeah, and I planned on handcuffing, and I ended up doing the other way. I I, I like Smallwood. I think that he is um, a very, very interesting guy. And I really think Clive Walford is a, a wild card. And, again, it's about getting to the playoffs, and I don't know how well my team will do through 11 weeks. But if you look at my roster, there's a lot, you know, a lot of youth if I do get to the playoffs. A lot of young guys who could really step things up that, those last few weeks. Um, so, you know, hopefully I can parlay my quarterbacks into uh, a playoff spot. Yeah. All right. Well, um, unless there's anything else you want to cover on your roster, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give the reins back and – Step back down and just be the guest. Well, you did a great job. Anything else you cover? You did a great job, and I I uh, I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate you uh, taking uh, thoughts on my draft, and I will ask you what your thoughts on my draft are overall in the team that I have. Um, I mean, for the strategy that you went in with, I think you definitely fulfilled that strategy. Uh, we we did have obviously different strategies because I do have a little bit. I, I ended up going <laughs> uh, a lot heavier on you know risky players. I guess is probably the way to say it. my team is my team is full of risky players, but that's because I was going for total high upside, and I I will either do very well or very poorly. I think that's how I think my draft went, uh, and how your draft went. I, I think you've got a nice – I think you've got a steady set of competitors on your team. I mean, you've got guys that put up production at very important spots. You've got your quarterbacks. That roster is solid at quarterbacks. Like you said, your tight ends, you do have a lot of you have a solid, you have a solid team at tight end. You do have, um, obviously, some possible holes at wide receiver. But, again, this is the anti-wide receiver league, so – you know, I think, you, like like I said with mine, I think everybody's got a roster where it could easily put up points in this scoring system. 
So I'm, I'm well, just the, the I'm, one I, last. I have no way to really evaluate anybody's, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I, I think you did a good job, and and you and you did what I asked you to do, and it's not easy to. When the host asks you to rate their team, I think you did a great job. The one other strategy, the last strategy I'll talk about that I did employ here and why I felt that, you know, like I, 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 it seems to me that the more experience a drafter was, the heavier the running back draft was. I think a oh, yeah. lot of the guys that I've met on Twitter who are trying to be someone in the industry or fans went – you know, kind of, well, these great wide receivers are just sitting here, so I'm going to take them. Um, or they're so in the kind of the habit now because going wide receiver is so popular. Um, you know, I didn't want to do that. And one of the other reasons why is, think about it. You need to, yeah, you need to start three wide receivers, but almost every NFL team has three wide receivers each week who put up numbers. You've got to start two running backs each week, but how many NFL teams even have one guy that you want to start each week? You know, so my feeling is that it's much easier to cobble together wide receiver than it is to cobble together running back. If you don't have luck at running back and you're short on running backs, I think you're dead. I think in, yep. this, in this scoring format, I think because yep. there's 22 rounds, uh, there's no defense and kickers, the weight, you know, you might be, get lucky and get one big waiver pickup. Uh, other than that, it's going to be brutal trying to get waiver pickups. I feel like you can get wide receiver pickups who can come in and give you that magic 10 points, the 5 for 50 guy, who if the rest of your team performs, where at running back, if you don't have two good ones, you know, you could get a goose egg easy, and that could be the difference between winning and losing. So that was the last thought as it relates to strategy with that. Yeah, and I think that was born out of a lot of people doing so much research coming up to this draft. I mean, I wasn't around on Twitter, but I'll take Scott's word for it, that there was not this kind of preparation that people put into it. So I think those that actually did the preparation and studied the scoring system and really familiarized themselves with it, took advantage of it, and that's why you saw those people going running back heavy, going for multiple good tight ends and hitting quarterbacks early because you're right. Passing on wide receiver is the right play in, in this particular format. Correct. And, uh, and I feel like, you know, I, I wish I had a little bit stronger running backs and a little less strong wide receivers. But, you know, I was in a division where – there was no quarterback run, essentially. I mean, it had happened very, very late. I got, I got all three I – I, I wanted to get Tyrod Taylor and Marcus Mariota, and I also got Drew Brees. So, I mean, I really got good quarterbacks, but um, my running backs aren't as strong as they could be. But we'll, we'll see how it plays out. You know, if I was grading my own draft, I'd give it a B, B-minus. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with how good the guys I drafted with did. So uh, kudos to them. Every time I drafted, I was looking for value, and very rare that I said, oh, wow, this guy's still sitting here. Great. 
So uh, kudos to, even though they were slow, the other guys who drafted with me. And I thank you very much for interviewing me, John, and for letting me interview you on the draft. Um, I got a little chatty, the very thing I always tell guests not to do when they're being interviewed, but old habits die hard. And uh, I thank no you very much. Um, good Todd, luck. I appreciate with it. The- thank- yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on. And I look forward to the – I hope you continue to do, you know, occasional SFB coverage updates throughout the season. I think you said you uh, it, thought about doing that. And I hope you're going to continue it. Yeah. yeah I, my I enjoy plan, listening to it. It's fun. My plan is to do one every week. At, you know, maybe a uh, Monday or a Tuesday pod. Probably, I guess, a Tuesday pod. Tuesday night, maybe Wednesday night, where I do a uh, Life in the Fishbowl pod, kind of just going through my division and maybe having some a, a guest on each week just trying to stay on top of it. But in the meantime, the winner of the uh, SFB 480 is going to have to go the distance. So from 1976 and the movie Rocky, we're going to leave you today with going the distance. Thanks again, John. Thanks for having me, Todd.